uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So, again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. I studied the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a self. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't want to go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking what's the gift in me. Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some trying to get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them, I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me feel ruined. So every day I still chase what I think I'm losing. And pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable, double-minded, I'm unstable? Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel. Was living life like Cain, cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just want to save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down, I know it's only because I'm still living in sin. You transform my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts, so now I can't even rap with them. I need to use my talents because the devil be distracting them. Daniels 12 and 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Let's analyze. Layers of the earth is a different age. They've got Cenozoic, Mesozoic, Paleozoic, Archeozoic. Did you know the whole geologic column is baloney? It doesn't exist. All over the world, petrified trees are found standing up, connecting these rock layers. Petrified tree connecting a bunch of layers can't be millions of years difference in the the age of those layers. One in Cookville, Tennessee, not far from here. The bottom is coalified, the center is petrified, the top is coalified again. Runs through two coal seams. Mount St. Helens blew trees into Spirit Lake. They're going to petrify very quickly, standing up. That's the way they sank to the bottom. They got waterlogged. Wood petrifies quickly. Here's petrified firewood. Here's a petrified fish giving birth. It does not take millions of years to give birth. Petrified cowboy boot with the cowboy's legs still in it. The article's on the table down here called the Limestone Cowboy. The Mississippi River is depositing sediments at the rate of 80,000 tons every hour. 80,000 tons of mud comes down and dumps off around New Orleans, and that delta is growing larger and larger. They studied the delta pretty carefully and say it probably took about 30,000 years to put all that mud out there in the delta. Okay, well then, I have a question. Acts 2 and 17. 
And it shall come to pass in the last day, say Yahweh. I will pour out I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and and your sons and your daughter shall prophesy and your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. Listen a lot. If the earth is millions of years old, why isn't the whole Gulf of Mexico full of mud by now? They'll say, Hovind, it's 30,000 years. That proves the Bible's wrong. The Bible says 6,000. I know, but see, I've got a theory about that. Here's my theory. I believe 6,000 years ago, God made everything. 4,400 years ago, there was a flood. As the flood water was running off, whoosh, about half of that mud washed out there in 20 minutes. So it looks like it took 30,000 years to get the mud out there. It took about 20 minutes. And then 4,400 years since then, okay? A friend of mine from Louisiana is a pastor of a church. He said, Brother Hovind, I used to work in the oil field drilling in the, Missis in the, Gulf, of Mississippi, in the Gulf of Mexico, drilling for oil. He said, we drilled down through 14,000 feet of mud and hit trees 60 feet tall, standing up. 1 Corinthians 2 and 5 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Yahweh. 60 foot vertical trees under 14,000 feet of mud. Hmm. Here's a picture of the oldest tree on the planet. It's called the bristlecone pine. We've got a piece of bristlecone in our museum in Pensacola. It's only 30 inches in diameter and it's 700 years old. You can count the rings with a magnifying glass. It grows real slow. Now tree ring dating is not an exact science. Trees can produce two rings a year or three rings a year. Okay, And be very careful about tree ring dating with overlapping sequencing. The oldest tree in the world, this textbook says, is 4,300 years old. Earth's oldest organism. That's a pretty old tree, but I've got a question. If the earth is millions of years old, why don't we have an older tree someplace? Why would the oldest tree be 4,300 years old? I have a theory about that. Here's my theory. I believe about 6,000 years ago, God made everything, and 4,400 years ago, there was a flood. And so I predict the oldest tree ought to be somewhere around 4,300 years old. It is. Wow. Maybe that Bible's right, you know? Maybe I ought to read that thing and believe it. Here's a picture of Niagara Falls. The textbook says, boys and girls, the rocky ledge above Niagara Falls has been eroding for nearly 9,900 years. Now, how do they know that? 1 Timothy 6 and 20. O Timothy, keep that which is commit to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babbling and opposition of science falsely so-called. Let's analyze. Well, the rocks are breaking off the edge. I mean, all waterfalls do that. They break rocks off and the waterfall eats its way backwards, okay? Flows one direction, erodes the other direction. Niagara Falls is moving back 4.7 feet a year. Charles Lyell went there in 1841 and said, well, Niagara Falls is here. Obviously, it started up here at the cliff by Lewiston, New York. It's moving back down the gully. 
He said it's 10,000 years old worth of erosion. The people that lived there said, Charlie, it erodes a whole lot faster than you think. One good rainstorm and there's a whole lot of erosion takes place. He figured three feet a year, purposely to make the Bible look wrong. Today, Niagara Falls is way back there, split over that island. There's actually two Niagara Falls, the Canadian side and the American side. It's eroded back quite a ways just since Charles Lyell's time. The textbook says, this gorge that the river runs into, it runs in, is seven and a half miles long. A simple calculation shows it's been 9,900 years. Oh, it's not that simple. See, Niagara Falls is right here. It started off further north up by Lewiston. If the Earth is millions of years old, why hasn't it eroded back to Lake Erie by now? Why is Niagara Falls right there? I have a theory about that, okay? Now, here's my theory. You see, about 6,000 years ago, God made everything, and 4,400 years ago, there was a flood. As the flood water was running off, whoosh, about half of that creek washed out in 20 minutes. So it looks like it took 9,900 years. They forgot the flood. They also forgot to get the right number. It should have been 8,400 had they used 4.7, but you know, what do you expect? Okay. When it rains, 30% of the water runs into the ocean, bringing with it mineral salts. The oceans are getting saltier every day. Ecclesiasticus. 5 and 15. Be not ignorant of anything in a great matter or a small less than a lot. Today they're 3.6% salt. They could have done that in less than 5,000 years. Question, why aren't the oceans saltier? Well, you see, 6,000 years ago God made everything, 4,400 years ago there's a flood. Now, since the flood's been over, the oceans have gradually gotten saltier. One atheist I debated said, Hoven, could you please tell me how the freshwater fish survived the flood? I said, sir, aren't you assuming the flood was salt water? He said, the ocean is salt water. I said, well, it is today, yeah. During the flood, it's probably mostly fresh water, and it's gradually gotten saltier, and today some animals have had to adapt to salt water. And now we have freshwater crocodiles and saltwater crocodiles, and they probably had a common ancestor. A crocodile. He said, that's evolution. I said, no, it's not. Going from a freshwater croc to a saltwater croc is a minor change compared to your evolution story. You believe they changed from a rock to a croc. Now that's a major change, okay? A friend of mine in Alabama raises fish. He said he took a freshwater fish, black mollies, slowly added salt to their aquarium in two weeks they became saltwater fish when he put them back in fresh water they died in 30 minutes they can adapt to salt water not a problem you know at the current rate of erosion the continents will erode flat in 14 million years why did they tell us we've got fossils that are 300 times older than that still above sea level they should have washed out to sea 300 times all you gotta do is fly out west and look at the erosion patterns and say man this place was destroyed by a flood I mean, the whole world was destroyed by a flood. Just fly around like I do and look out the window once in a while. Uh, the oldest languages in the world are kind of interesting. Origin of major writing systems from National Geographic. What are they? E Ecclesiasticus 17 and 5. They received the use of the five 
operation of the Lord. And in the sixth place, he impaired them, impaired them understanding. And in the seventh speech and interpret of the congregation thereof. Ecclesiastes 17 and 5. Let's analyze. All right. Well, they say the oldest writing systems in the world started about 3000 BC. 5,000 years ago. Oldest writing systems. Hmm. And the oldest languages are modern, sophisticated, and complete. The Chinese said the year 2000 was the year 4700. They think they started their calendar with the flood. They called Noah Fuhai. The oldest recorded capital punishment 3,800 years ago. The Hebrew calendar said the year 2000 was 5760. We know the Hebrew calendar's messed up because a rabbi purposely took some years out to make it not match the prophecy to fit Jesus. The Saxons had a genealogy going back to Adam. The Danes and Norwegians had a king list going back to Noah. Don't trust the Egyptian king list. That is greatly exaggerated. See the work by Corville on that in Evolution Cruncher. Why are the oldest reliable historical records less than 6,000 years old? Well, I have a theory about that. I bet you know what it is. Matthews 13 and 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. It is, don't you? Yeah. That Bible is absolutely right, folks. Absolutely correct, scientifically. The evidence for a young earth is overwhelming. The students aren't taught that. Students are only shown the evidence for an old earth. These books aren't really science books anymore. They're books about evolution. I think it's part of a much bigger picture for a new world order. You see, stupid is forever, but ignorance can be fixed. That's the difference. A planet is literally cooking. Mate, you can shut your uh, mouth. You can Senator, shut your Senator mouth. McKim. People Senator are McKim. dying because McKim of you and sociopaths like you. Senator McKim, I'm not going to cop interjections from sociopaths like Senator Canavan. Senator I will McKim, not cop it and what they've got to answer for is death, disease, displacement, starvation, people dying of thirst, arable farming lands turning into desert, and most likely billions of people dead by the end of this century, and the collapse of the ecosystems that actually support all human life on this planet. That's what people like Senator Canavan have got to answer for. It doesn't surprise me because, like I said, this is uh, the general perception that's given uh, very successfully uh, done by the Zionists as a ploy uh, to gaining support and to stifle any opposition to the, to the state of Israel is by equating and convoluting and uh, the two concepts of Judaism and, and Zionism, even though it's, it's really, really uh, contra both contradictory and it's, it's, uh, it's just so blatantly wrong. Judaism is to serve God, to be 
peaceful, to be loving, to do kindness. Zionism is a truly selfish political movement of occupying another people, so wrong, so vicious, uh, so anti what Judaism is all about, and it's totally humiliating to us as practicing Jews to, to see and hear what is being done in our name. Australia is slowly shifting towards being cash-free. More than a billion dollars worth of notes have disappeared from circulation in the past 12 months. It follows the Commonwealth Bank's decision to start trialling cashless branches across Sydney. Economists say a cashless society will hurt criminals on the black market, but will, life, will make life more difficult for the elderly who rely on notes and coins. Australia is sl It doesn't surprise me. Given that, uh, according to the Pfizer 9 clinical report, there was no carcinogenic tests, no genotoxicity tests, no immunotoxicity tests, no uh, iteration studies, interaction studies with other medicines, no longitudinal studies, and I note that in regards to pregnancy and lactation, that studies were conducted on rats. Um, does How can Pfizer say that the vaccine was unequivocally safe without qualifying any risks around the vaccine? Uh, Senator, I don't have that report in front of me, so I'm afraid I can't talk to that. What I can say is that the TGA is one of the world's leading regulators. Okay, okay. Well, well, you can take my word for it. I've got, I'm happy to table this document. Okay. So it, it clearly stated that a number of tests were not conducted. Okay. And given that those tests weren't conducted, and I accept it was a short time frame, I accept we had a short time frame, but that doesn't remove the risk that certain risks were not analysed and you never highlighted those risks when the vaccine was rolled out. Senator, I disagree with that statement. I think there was a very clear assessment of the benefit of risk. The therapeutic goods is a very thorough and very competent authority, perfectly able to reach a decision based that, on data which it, acts, which it well, reviews. Okay. So, so initially when the vaccine was rolled out, myocarditis and pericarditis wasn't a recognised side effect. Does Pfizer understand why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? And if not, how then can it guarantee that it's not also injuring other organs? And can you explain the process why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? I'll take that, Dr. Hewitt. Sure. Um, based on our clinical trials and pharmacovigilance data, as well as real world evidence following the distribution now of, of billions of doses of vaccine, we retain confidence, strong confidence in the safety profile of the vaccine. So, I'm sorry, Chair, point of order. Point of order. I've asked, do you understand why it causes? I know that it's a low risk. I'm asking, do you understand why it causes myocarditis? I want you, I want you to explain to me why it causes myocarditis. Do you understand why it causes myocarditis? Pfizer is aware of very rare reports of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been temporarily associated with vaccination. Well, that's However, still ongoing for some people. Senator Redick, Dr. Theroux should answer the question. Thank you, Dr. Theroux. According to public health experts and regulatory authorities around the globe, the number of reports of myocarditis remains small. Well, I'm not referring to the number of reports. I want you to explain to me the mechanism of how the vaccine causes myocarditis. Do you or do you not understand the mechanism 
of why the vaccine causes myocarditis. It looks to me like you don't. And if you don't understand it, why are you saying the vaccine is safe without qualifying the risks? So, so um, Senator Reddick, I think uh, Dr. Theroux is actually about to get to that point. Whether people agree, whether there's agreement to his evidence or not, is another question for others to make a judgment on. Um, but if, Dr. Theroux, if you could uh, again get to um, Senator Reddick's uh, question. Senator, uh, all medicines, all therapeutic products and vaccines have uh, benefits and have side effects as well. Looking at the totality of the evidence for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, uh, regulatory authorities, health authorities, experts globally, including in Australia, within the Department of Health and the TGA, have maintained that the benefit-risk ratio... That's not the question that I asked. I asked, can you explain why the vaccine causes myocarditis? Yes or no? Uh, Senator, the benefit-risk Yes or no? So you clearly don't understand the pathway, do you? Because you can't explain it. I'm not referring to the cost-benefit analysis here. I'm referring to, do you understand the biochemical pathway as to why the vaccine causes damage to the heart? Senator, I am happy to take your question on notice and come back to the committee with whatever information we can provide. I might just clarify, I was not referring to a cost-benefit analysis in my previous response. I was referring to the benefit-risk ratio and health authorities around the globe continue to recommend uh, the benefits... Uh, and that's, this isn't the question that I'm asking. Anyway, thank you. You know, fam, we always in this crafty council. We always in some sort of crafty council, man. I tell you all the time, bro, the earth is given to the hands of the wicked. And it's more than the wicked when I say the Caucasian man. I'm talking about the wicked of the world. Camp is a time for kids to make lifelong memories, right? And that is exactly what New York's New Country Pride Camp says that it does, all while aiming to also be inclusive. It's amazing. The camp website describes it as a welcoming community of LGBTQ plus young people and staff to create an experience where everyone is able to thrive. NBC News correspondent Stephen Romo got a first-hand look at the camp. Stephen, did it make you want to be a kid again? <laughs> yeah, wow, it brought back so many memories, guys. This camp's only in its third year right now but parents and organizers agree it's much needed a place where these kids can not just be tolerated but celebrated for many kids camp helps add some sparkle to their summers a little chunkier. at new country pride camp that sparkle is a lot more literal the 14th street y and new country day camp are in the middle of pride camp now, in its third year, the program is specifically aimed at serving LGBTQ plus kids and children of people in those communities. See, y'all, you see what they're doing? You know, they got child molesters and all this stuff being around your children, and now they're trying to take them to camp. <clears throat> These... <sighs> Let me move side, y'all. Let me move side. Let's analyze. 
Good day, beautiful truth seekers. D Train here. It's July 31st, 2023. LGBTQ, whatever, is huge in the media, schools, everywhere you look, it is being pushed in your face and shoved down your throat. Is it all grassroots? Is there a bigger agenda there? Well, let's find out. Given the global demographics of an increasingly young population in many parts of the world, social movements are a better investment than political parties. You, you now make a point of, that's, a, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, gonna, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock we are forcing behaviors. 54% uh, of the incoming class are women. We, we added four more points in terms of diverse uh, employment this year. And it, if it, it's, you know, what we're doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? We're doing the same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race, or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting, it is development, as Ken said. And ultimately, it's still going to take time, but I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities and we're going to have to force change. And I think, you know, across the world, we still see that um, same-sex activity is outlawed in 67 countries. So that's that just indicates to us that you know this is not a fight that is over. We still need to be you know vigilant and continue to progress. One thing I want to talk about in terms of just the climate that we're in, there is progress. It is a good. There is good news in this. However, we do need to be very careful that here we are in a point, at a point in time where, you know, LGBT rights, um, marriage equality laws, all of these issues are actually becoming signs of modernity. They are becoming signs of, you know, democracies and countries which, which respect rights for everyone. But we're seeing also that this has become a new battleground and in particular you know this isn't something that happens in you know certain parts of the world and not others even in you know in Europe we see Hungary in particular and Poland who have really try been using LGBT rights um, as a as a, as a battleground essentially to try and harness the support of the conservative um, elements of society and the government using it to put themselves up as some sort of hero of protector of family values and rights. In the United States a lot of times you know when you were saying like we're seeing it's I think we're 18 days into the new year and we've seen over 100 anti-LGBTQ bills proposed already um, in the United States. 100. Last year there was more than 300 anti-LGBTQ bills. Most of them are targeting trans youth, um, which is a tactic. Um, they have the smallest amount of share of voice, so we have to be speaking up and out for them. Um, and they're, so my point in that is that we've worked with a lot of corporates behind the scenes to call in those states to say, 
I'm not, I'm going to pull business. I'm not, I need safe places for my employees. So we've been on this journey a long time. Um, and by a long time, I would say 25 years in supporting the community. So back in 1998, um, we launched our, we called the Pride Network. We launched our first Pride Network in, a, in many markets. But today, we actually have a Pride Network, over a thousand employees actively contributing to the Pride Network, and it's in 45 countries around the world, which I think is terrific. Another example from many years ago, 30 years ago, we had domestic partner benefits. Um, and we've continued to build on this inclusiveness, and just this year, um, we, we, we offered two new benefits, one an enhancement on gender affirming care, and secondly, um, an enhancement in terms of um, inclusiveness in, in um, fertility. So we, we continue to explore every year, we continue to learn and, and, and try to improve. Also, I just wanted to make a mention of, as we're talking about examples, I worked with WEF and we had this project called The Lighthouses, which is online, and we ended up choosing eight best practice, business best practices of DEI and how to integrate that into companies all over the world. So we looked at tons of submissions and then we looked at the ways we had really strict criteria for looking at how this made societal change not only made the company better but made societal change and so those are a great place when you're looking for how do i bring this to my company um the, those are best practices that are available through the wef um, that that a group of us worked really hard and selecting and um, were submitted by corporations I think that actually it's the LGBT community as a whole who's actually led this fight, you know. But, you know, we've been talking about what are the solutions and it's not just a legal fight. It's not the, the realization of these rights isn't going to just come from the creation of strong laws and challenges in the courts. It also is about changing societal opinion. It's about challenging discriminatory views. It's about making sure that people are seen in the mainstream media in day-to-day -day life. And I think that's another opportunity where we have the corporate world to play a really important role. It's in the, as, as one of our colleagues said in another forum that we were in the other day, the hearts and minds part of this. And that is to make LGBT um, people, the community visible when you are talking about your product, you know, visible in your imagery. Um, you know, we can make sure that your products are centered towards them. And visibility is the key here because rights visibility i always say lays the groundwork to move rights forward and until you build acceptance until you're safe just walking down the street being who you are it doesn't matter whether or not you have rights it does and it and and we need to move that forward and the way that we move that forward is by people knowing who we are. And in, and in places where it's illegal and punishable by death, you can't do that. That is a real risk, right? A, a serious risk. So how can we infiltrate or work with media, corporations who put information out to get the word out, to bring visibility? Because if you don't know who we are, then we then you're usually you're fearful of what you don't know. But once you meet someone or you see somebody, and so you know that's something that we're combating in the U.S. is that only 16% of 
U.S. people say that they know someone who's transgender. So who's making up the gap in education? Media. And right now, because that community is being so targeted and that the media is picking up those stories, it's really sending the wrong message about who those folks are. I'm a parent, I'm married to a woman and I have two kids. So they're talking about some parental rights um, and they're excluding us and they're targeting us and they're banning books at a rate that we've never seen before. Um, and I think it is, and they're conflating these conversations about bodily autonomy and trans youth. Um, and it's, it's a really tough moment right now in education in the United States. And I'm absolutely sure it's being exported globally, this kind of um, framework that they've come up with that's been really effective over the past year. And they're legislating against it as well. So I think that little montage I put together finally dispels the myth the corporations are pushing this on you and we should ignore words like infiltrate and force and just offer up our children as sacrifices to the puberty blockers the hormones and irreversible surgery that renders them infertile for life there's no agenda here take that tinfoil hat off question everything Support independent media. God bless. When I'm home chilling the world, I stay tuned to the Fade Podcast. It's the hottest message out there. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to stay. He has the hottest podcast out there. Go listen. Better informative. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to stay. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home chilling the world, I stay tuned to the Fade Podcast. It's the hottest message out there. And uh, when I'm at the spot just chilling, or when I'm in the car just driving around, I always listen to Fade to keep it real. He said it was real. And that's one of the hottest podcasts around. I definitely suggest it. Check them out. Boy. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the life behind. Staring at the stars, wishing I had the time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. 
So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a child that I'm body with all my boys I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy you are in California and have kids in school, please listen to this. This is an urgent. A voicemail threatening all black children lives has just been sent to hundreds of schools and to a museum. Now, I had to bleep out the N-word for unaliving just so TikTok don't take this video down. But listen to this voicemail message and watch this news clip. Very important. They threatening our children and I don't like it. In California, agendas are active to murder black children in the Sacramento area. Are to be in cold blood with no remorse. A chilling message sent to a hub of African-American culture. The Sojourner Truth African Heritage Museum says a voicemail was left on the museum's phone line around 2.30 a.m. Sunday. The museum is located at what's known as Sacramento's Black Wall Street, near Florin Road and 24th Street. Not only does the voicemail threaten violence against black children, but it specifically mentions schools. The Intel Relay has contacted more than 100 schools in the Sacramento area. In a statement to KCRE3, museum founder Shauna McDaniel says in part, quote, The call was very shocking and disturbing. I couldn't believe someone would leave a voicemail on our phone talking about harming black children. I'm sending a message for parents and community members to be on alert and take this message seriously. This voicemail comes as some school districts across the region are getting ready to get back to class. A terrifying thought for many in the community. It's very jolting. Black Lives Matter Sacramento founder Tanya Faison tells me her organization often gets messages like this, but for a voicemail to specifically threaten children is rare. That's like a threat to our existence, but it's also a threat to our families. We don't know how valid it is or if it's actually going to happen, but we do know that we shouldn't sleep on it. We shouldn't act like it's not going to happen, and we should definitely secure ourselves as much as possible. I tried calling the number that left the voicemail, but no one picked up. Sorry, the person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Please try your call again later. Goodbye. I don't take threats on our children lightly. I don't know why more people are not talking about this. Please share this. Make everybody aware out in California. This should be taken serious. Y'all need to be putting some pressure on them. We need some answers. Make sure y'all follow. The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments today about legal protections for vaccine manufacturers. The issue today was whether vaccine makers should continue to be shielded from most lawsuits for damages. The arguments involved 18-year-old Hannah Brisowitz of Mont Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Her parents blame her neurological problems on a childhood vaccine. They want to sue Wyeth Labs, which now owns the company that made the medicine. The National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, passed by Congress in 1986, established a no-fault system of compensation in such cases. The law set up a special vaccine court to 
confirm injuries and to award damages accordingly. The goal was to shield drug companies from repeated lawsuits and thereby guarantee steady supplies of vaccine. In recent years, hundreds of lawsuits have charged a link between childhood vaccines and autism. That means the case argued at the Supreme Court today could have far-reaching implications. It also comes as broader questions about vaccines are very much in the public sphere. And again, here is Marsha Coyle of the National Law Journal. Marsha, welcome. Hi, Tim. All right, give us the uh, the plaintiff's case. What was what was the family's argument? Who made it? Uh, the family was represented by David Frederick, and he argued that the language here allows the family to go into state court and have the courts decide on a case-by-case -case basis whether the side effects of this vaccine were, using the word in the statute, unavoidable. That opens it up to judges. Uh, the court... Whether or not it's unavoidable or not. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the court, a number of the justices seem to feel that the language here is ambiguous. The Congress wasn't really clear whether it wanted to bar this type of a, of a lawsuit. But Justice Breyer sort of went to the heart of the case here when he, he asked Mr. Frederick, assuming that the language is ambiguous, how do you answer an argument made by the American Academy of Pediatricians who say that if the family wins, vaccine makers are going to be chased from the market, children are going to die, and this isn't what Congress wanted when it enacted the vaccine law. Well, explain to them what would the chain be, that there would be so many lawsuits that uh, pharmaceutical companies would just quit making vaccines, it would be too risky for them legally and financially? Right. Wyatt's counsel, Kathleen Sullivan, mm -hmm. said that this type of lawsuit, design defect, was exactly what... Design defect. Right. Defectively designed vaccine. Okay. In other words, somebody made a mistake when they made the, book, yes, made exactly. the vaccine. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. And Go that ahead. there may yep. be safer alternatives available. Sure. But Ms. Sullivan said that this was the exact kind of lawsuit that Congress was worried about back in the 1980s when vaccine makers faced an onslaught of personal injury suits resulting from vaccines. So um, they enacted this law in order to bar this type Fair of lawsuit. Thing, yeah. All right. Now, what did uh, you, you mentioned what Justice Breyer said? Yeah. How did the now, there were only eight eight justices here in this case, right? Explain That's why. Uh, Justice Kane Kagan, Elena Kagan, the, the newest one. justice, right. she recused herself. She stepped out of the case because uh, she was involved in the case when she was Solicitor General of the United States. So. Representing the U.S. government. That's right. The yeah. United States here, by the way, has participated in this case. The Obama administration is supporting Wyeth Laboratories, okay. saying that this lawsuit is barred. So there are eight justices. There could have been seven. The Chief Justice had, uh, had recused himself Robert, in the yeah. initial stages because he owns stock in Wyeth, and uh, he sold the stock in order to participate now. Uh, eight justices isn't great because you can have a 4-4 split. Seven would be even I was going to ask about it. If it did, does go 4-4, Wyeth wins, right? Absolutely. The lower court judgment stands. Okay, because that... All right, but what, what happened in the courtroom? Uh, okay. Mr. Fredericks told uh, Justice Breyer, for example, that 
vaccine makers aren't going to be chased from the market if this type of lawsuit goes forward. He said that the vaccine court uh, channels just about all the vaccine claims and 99% of those who go through the vaccine court accept what the vaccine court says about compensation. They don't take it to another No, court. they don't. And he said this type of lawsuit is very, very hard to prove. Uh, and, and those two factors taken together uh, will not open, uh, will not chase the, the vaccine makers out of the market. Now, what did the other justices say, if anything, that you thought was uh, uh, memorable? <laughs> okay. Uh, Justice Ginsburg pressed uh, Wyeth's attorney, Ms. Sullivan, a couple times saying, well, you know, if Congress had meant to block these lawsuits, it would have said so. But it didn't. It wouldn't have left it ambiguous. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and there is a presumption that the court has applied over the years in these cases, a presumption against federal law preempting state law. So she, she just felt that uh, if Congress wanted to preempt it, it would have said that clearly. Justice Kennedy said, well, you know, maybe uh, is, was a sloppy drafting. Congress doesn't mm -hmm. always write clearly. And Ms. Sullivan said, well, they could have written more clearly, but she still reads the provision to block this type of lawsuit. Uh, Justice Sotomayor raised some concerns uh, here. She seems somewhat sympathetic to the family here, uh, feeling that if you don't have, say, these state lawsuits on defective designs, what is there to encourage vaccine makers to come forward when there are problems with a vaccine? Who's policing this? She tried several times to find out what's the role of the FDA? What's the role of the Centers for Disease Control? So is it uh, final final uh, word here then is a coin toss? You couldn't tell? You, you know, you're was, not making any predictions on this one? I, I rarely do. And I, uh, I think this one is close. And these preemption cases, we have four this term, often split 5-4. Uh, so it, it's going to be very co close. And if whichever way it goes, this is going to have a huge uh, impact, is it not? It, it does. And, and there is a real trade-off here. If, if the family wins, uh, vaccine makers will be sued in state courts and face potential liability that could tie them up for years, that could be costly, could be disincentives to research and development. But if Wyeth wins, families like the Brucevitz, uh, who, whose children have suffered significant or catastrophic injuries, will have no remedy. So, okay. So that's... Uh... That's more than a coin toss. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And another thing, too, uh, you mentioned in your setup here yep. that uh, autism cases, uh, Ms. Sullivan pointed out that there are 5,000 autism vaccine-related cases now in the vaccine court. And she raised the possibility that, depending on how the court rules, that could open another avenue yeah, for a, vaccine makers to be sued. It's a, big, it's a big deal. We'll have a, a decision probably in the summertime, right? Probably by June. Okay. Marcia, thank you. My pleasure. Tell us what the justices ruled. The majority, in an opinion by Justice Scalia, said that the federal law, the National Child Vaccine Injury Act, preempts or blocks state lawsuits based on a claim that a vaccine was defectively designed. The case was brought to the Supreme Court by the parents of Hannah Brusewitz, who as an infant received the diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus uh, vaccine combination. She suffered severe disabling seizures, which she continues to suffer at age 19 today.
Now, this, uh, this, this case reminds us that there is another recourse for parents who believe their children have been injured by a vaccine. Part of the, the court's rationale was looking at the fact that Congress under this act created a no-fault compensation program. Parents can file claims of vaccine-related injuries and if uh, their claim is denied or if the amount of money that they receive is inadequate, they feel, they can still go into court. But under today's ruling, they cannot bring a design defect claim because the court felt the language and structure of the federal law did not suggest that Congress intended these types of claims to be brought. And Marcia, this was a case that was watched very, being watched very closely by vaccine manufacturers. Tell us why. It was, Judy, because there are pending a large number of autism vaccine-related claims, and the manufacturers felt if the court had ruled the other way, that they would be facing hundreds of lawsuits in state courts. For joining us for CBN News Watch, I'm Mark Martin. Today, what would it be like if you lost power in your home, perhaps permanently? We'll hear why that could happen because of a surprise attack on the U.S. The possibility of a devastating attack on the U.S. that could affect your home. The heat wave in parts of the country is straining the nation's aging electrical power grid, and temporary brownouts may occur. But what would happen if the United States lost electricity permanently? Electromagnetic pulse bomb experts warn America's enemies are already getting ready to launch such a strike. And Gary Lane explains why one expert believes such an attack is inevitable. An electromagnetic pulse bomb, or EMP, is a nuclear weapon designed to explode high up in the atmosphere and knock out a country's electrical power grid. It's the Earth's surface, feeds into our electrical wiring, it starts shorting out the entire power grid. If they launched three missiles, Eastern, Central, Western United States, it would shut our grid down permanently. Pumps to provide enough water needed to irrigate and grow crops. And since America only has a 30-day reserve food supply, 90% of the population would likely die within one to two years of the EMP attack. So what can be done to protect the nation? Recent legislation sets aside $13 billion to upgrade the U.S. energy grid. But finding the needed replacement parts may be difficult. All those spare parts we need, the big transformers, where do you think they're made? China. Uh, we farmed out uh, all the components of our electrical grid decades ago. Orston says history proves that societies always use the weapons they develop. He warns the United States cannot sit back and assume an EMP attack will never happen. Why do you think this is likely even imminent? Sooner or later, somebody's going to try to do this. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but at some point it will happen. Gary Lane, CBS. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Excuse me. This is morally wrong. Today in Tralee Library in County Kerry, as part of the Pride Week, concerned parents crashed a drag story time session for children. This new phenomenon, drag story time for children, is very big in the United States and usually consists of drag queens, which are men dressed as women, telling stories to kids in libraries. In a twist on that, in Tralee today, we have a drag king, which is a woman 
dressing up as a man and again reading stories to children. This wholesome family fun day out was put on by Kingdom Pride and was sponsored by the following. And where would an event like this be without all the volunteers that are willing to help out at the library? Big thank you to all the volunteers that helped out today at Tralee Library for Drag King Storytime. A white man can never become a supremacy again in Africa. A white man is just like a slave. Our children's in Africa. Don't you understand that a white man, when you go to Africa, we see you as our children because without us, you can never exist. Black man make white to exist today. And we feed you each and every day. That's why we feed you. We are feeding you since 1850s. Since 1850s, we are feeding you the Western people. Because we are the one who give back to you people. That's why we feed you. We are not worried. But we have seen that the people we are feeding, they have get bored enough to fight against us. Now we stop feeding you. You are angry. Why are you angry? Don't you know that one day we will stop feeding you? Are you not believing in the revolution that they were telling you since uh, 1970s? That there will be a generation that will not accept to feed the Western peoples anymore. Now we stop feeding you, you are crying. And you want to make fight against because we stop feeding you. European citizens realize this now that your government is fooling you when they tell you that we feed Africa. When they tell you that you, the white people, are the one who feed Africa. Then if you are the white people who feed Africa, then why? Why is your government angry that Africa refuses to feed them anymore? So all the European citizens will believe that your government will feed them. So they feed you peoples. But they tell you people that we are feeding Africa. Yeah, we have to help Africa because there are many poor people. They don't have water, they don't have clean water, they don't have doctors, they don't have medicines. But I hope many European citizens will wake up from their racism believing that arrow feed Africa. You see, realize it right now that we feed you. Now we stop feeding you. You see how your prime ministers are in confusion? If you go to all European countries right now, their prime ministers are in confusion. Because Africa stop feeding them. Ah, God. You understand? And I'm so many European citizens will feel ashamed of the racism they were doing to black people in Europe, believing that they are the one who feed us. But do we feed you? You think you feed us? No. We can survive without you people. But you people can't without us. You can't survive without us. You have to respect us then. If you know that you can't survive without us, you have to respect us. Give us maximum respect. Salute us when you see a black man. Black man is not your mate. We are not your mate in any way. If you came to hustle, black man is not your mate. If you came to war, black man is not your mate. If you came to survival, black man is not your mate. If you came to intelligence, black man is not your mate. If you go to music, the most beautiful music singer is a black man. The, the most created drummer in the world is a black man. The most fastest runner in the world is a black man. The most fastest and biggest rapper in the world is a black man. Which competition do you ever do with black man and women? So black man is not your mate. Respect black man. Honor black man. It's only the our leaders of Africa who are full with slave mentality. Still believing that we are in a slavery time. Not people like us. People like us, we have realized that we are heroes. Africans are heroes. Black Africans are heroes. Even a black African child who is born today is a hero. But today, you white people make your children to feel like they are heroes. 
because you 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 teach them in school that we feed Africans. You are a superior. You are a master. So whenever you see Africans, be proud of yourself. You rule them. They are your slaves. That's why your children in Europe don't even have respect for us because you are teaching them in school that we are their slaves. When they see us around, they they disrespect us. They talk to us like we are their slaves. When you meet a white child. Who is just seven years or five years on the street here? If he talk to you, you will know that this person, this child, get a ball to talk to me like this. Why? Because they are, they have been teaching those child, those children in school that you are their slave, and they are the masters. You know, when I met a white child, she told me, he told me that, oh, you know, my mother told me that you people were white before, but you were born in hellfire. That's why you people are black like this. I was so happy to hear that word from a child. Of 12 years old in Arabia, and I told him, "Oh, your mother told you that?" She say, "He say yes." I told him, "Yeah." Then I will show you an example. You people were the people who are black because we born you. You were black before, but you born in hellfire. That's why you are white like this. He say, "How?" My mother told me you black were white before, but you born in hellfire. That's why you are like this. I told him, "Okay, wait. I will show you an example." That time. I think fire burned me somewhere in my hand and it was white. You know, as a black like this, when fire burned you, when you're born by fire, you it get white, the place get white. So that place was white. So I saw him, I told him, look, you realize this, that fire burned me here? He said, yes. I said, okay. You see how it's white? When I was born, when, when all my body is born with fire, then I would be white like you. So you were black before. When you born with fire in hellfire, you people get this white color. He cried. He was sad that he he, he he believed in me than his mother because I saw him evident, but his mother couldn't show him evident. And the mother wanted to fight me because he said I was misleading the child. You know what happened? That was the reason. The mother came to me to say that I am misleading the child, and I said, "Me and you, who is misleading the child? You first told your child that we are born. I move with your child every time. Move with your child to the shop, buy things for your children, because I am a man who I always so love to people. Today you are telling me I'm the one misleading your child. Me and you, who is misleading the child? If you are a white man or a white woman." And you saw my video, you are not comfortable with it. Don't comment because if you comment, do you know what happened? I laugh at you because you are a fool. I see you as a white fool who don't understand. I laugh at you. I'm a black man who can never be intimidated by your words on media as a white. Or you saw my video somewhere, you make a rubbish comment. I live among white and I know who white is, so you can tell me who you are. If you white, as a white man, you make a rubbish comment under my video, you know, I see you as a fool. I'm a big fool at that matter. You know why? Because you are my my, my, my children. White men are my children. We feed you every time. Now we stop feeding you, you are all and getting angry. President Adam Barrow, we feel ashamed to mention your name in media. We the Gambians. So we don't include you where men are speaking. Bolatinibu is old, but he's man more than you. So we can even talk to Bolatinibu a little bit. because While we talk to Bolatinibu, because that country is full of great men, Nigeria, not about Bolatinibu. We speak about Nigeria, not about Bolatinibu. But we speak about Nigeria because we have many great youths and many great peoples in that country who can still remove that country from a bondage. That's why we speak about that country. But in Gambia, why, why would we speak about you? 
Gambian president. I am, I am just giving you this opportunity to advise you, not even to advise you, but to advise the Gambian soldiers. So I am just playing you this video for people to know how foolish you are. I'm not playing this video for people to know who you are because you are nobody in the eyes of I, Pandemica, and the entire Africa. When you are telling the EU that we... Come on, let me play this. Listen to this. Which, who are with you? All options are on the table. And the option is they are giving up to one week to release Vazum and restore him outside of state. Or ECOWAS will take action. And it's not ECOWAS alone. It's the entire Africa that is taking action. This is what makes me angry, to say the entire Africa. And the entire Africa is not with you, dog leaders. Me and my African people, we are not with you, the dog leaders. No, I will not even call you leaders, because if I call you only leaders, you people are supporting you. But if I call you dog, you will know that you are nobody in the eyes of we the Africans. And we the Africans are not in support of whatever ECOWAS, the, the so-called ECOWAS is planning in Niger. And nobody is begging you to not to go. We are begging you to go there so that we will enjoy how you people will be dying. But I will tell you the soldiers who are in ECOWAS. I will tell you one thing. That when ECOWAS invaded Niger, Bolatinibu family will not be dying in Niger. Akufadu family will not be dying in Niger. Adamabaro Gambian president families will not be dying in Niger. Makisala, Senegal president, his family will not be dying in Niger. It's you, the Equal soldiers, who will be losing your soul in Niger. And we will sit here and celebrate it. And the same presidents who will push you to go and do suicide mission will be sitting there eating chicken, enjoying with their family. Equal soldiers, think. Think about your life. Not our life, but think about your own life. Your family depends on you. So far, how do you protect your family? Do you fight for your family? So you put on a uniform to go and do suicide mission. Somebody is pushing you to go and kill yourself for somebody's freedom, not for your own people's freedom. If ECOWAS, if ECOWAS is really there for Africans, then I will say ECOWAS should be the one to chase out France soldiers from each and every African country. Equal soldiers will come together and fight against France soldiers, EU soldiers, NATO soldiers, American soldiers, terrorist group in Africa, and finish all of them for Africa to be free. This is the benefit of ECOWAS. But ECOWAS didn't stand on this because the West was the one promote ECOWAS and prepare this organization as ECOWAS for Africa and give it to Africans. But the West is in the control of this organization they give to Africa. They pretend that we are giving you this to protect you leaders. So that's why leaders are in support because they pretend to them that we will give you this group. Anybody who is, any leader who is among ECOWAS, ECOWAS soldiers will protect you when you have a problem. This is why many leaders are still in ECOWAS because they, they fake them, tell them that if you join ECOWAS, if you are a leader, you join ECOWAS, then ECOWAS will protect you if, you if your country's militaries want to remove you. But that was not the purpose of ECOWAS in Africa. African leaders, put your senses together. The purpose of ECOWAS in Africa is for the West to choose any leader that they want that leader to be in power, to use the force of African ECOWAS to fight against their fellow brother, to put the leader that they want. That the West want, not what Africans want. Look, Niger, the whole Nizers are in support of Abdurrahman. So why do you want to restore Bonzum? Bonzum into power. Nizer citizens are not in support of Bonzum. 
all Niger citizens, the whole Niger is in support of is in support of Abdurrahman. I think you should look what what the country people love. So if the West is talking about democracy and human rights, so Western people are going against the human rights of Niger, but they will not talk about human rights right now because they are the one against the human rights that they always emphasize to Africans. The West is going against human rights right now by forcing ECOWAS to go against Nigerian citizens' wills. Because this is the will of Nigerian citizens for Abrahman to lead them instead of Bozum. Because Nigerian citizens no more want Bozum to rule them. All Nigerian citizens are doing demonstration each and every day to make sure that Abrahman stay into power for them. So why do you want to? If you are just come on, Africa, think, think, please. So the Biden administration is starting problems with another black nation. This nation is Jamaica. Now Jamaica has rules and laws and customs just like any other nation. And in their nation, LGBTQ marriages are not recognized at all. It's not legal. Well, I want you to hear how Biden is acting with Jamaica because of their rules and laws behind a diplomat they want to bring in. They say, no, you can't bring them in, but let's roll that. Earlier this year, the United States government wrote to the Jamaican government seeking its approval for the married partner for diplomat about to be posted to Jamaica and who is in a same-sex relationship to be given diplomatic immunity and all the privileges of a diplomat. It's believed the Jamaican government did not respond to the request in a timely manner. The U.S. sent another diplomatic note demanding a response. The Jamaican government responded, rejecting the request. A senior government source told TVJ News, quote, that an approval of the request would mean Jamaica recognizing same-sex marriage, which is illegal in this country, end quote. Our sources tell us the U.S. then responded, rejecting a request from the Holness Administration to extend the stay of three Jamaican diplomats in our embassy and consulates in the United States. The U.S. served notice that the trio must leave immediately after their five-year diplomatic visa expires. This is in contrast to what now obtains, where extensions to diplomatic visas for Jamaican diplomats beyond the five-year period would be routine. Among those affected are Jamaica's ambassador to the United States, Audrey Marks, and Consul General Oliver Mayer, based in Miami, who the Americans say must leave and return to Jamaica this year. It's not known what other diplomatic measures, if any, the U.S. government might take against Jamaica in light of the government's refusal to grant immunity to the spouse of one of its diplomats. So Biden and them is retaliating against Jamaica and want to kick out their ambassador and diplomats after their visa expires behind this. You see the, you see the pattern here? Then you look at how they were talking about Uganda and their laws. But once again, you can't say that they're fighting for or respecting LGBTQ rights because they don't gonna tell nothing to Saudi Arabia. They haven't kicked out Saudi Arabia's ambassador that's here, right? They haven't kicked him out. Or anybody that represents Saudi Arabia. Or anybody that represents the UAE or anybody else that have these same exact laws. They don't allow LGBTQ in Saudi Arabia. And yet that's one of the main countries they deal with for oil. But they want to treat black countries like Jamaica, Uganda, horribly. Disrespect them. 
basically like threatening them that we're we not going to have good relations with you. Because of this one person here, who did they hurt? They didn't hurt nobody. They just say, look, over here, this is not what, what the business is. Over here, what you do in your country, have at it, knock yourself out. You have to respect the customs and laws of other countries. You can't go in over there and bullying anybody. Kunye West, America gonna be destroyed. No doomsday threats. It's gonna get hit with ballistic missiles from Gog and Magog. You shouldn't have had liposuction. Should have jogged the weight off. We the resistance. Hear the bravery in my voice? You lied to us when you said slavery was a choice. Nigga must have smoked up a whole quarter piece. 1441, we was kidnapped by the Portuguese. When I hear the words, make America great again. All it means is make blacks and Latinos slaves again. You said Bush don't care about black people. When it comes to cooning, you're a Barkley and Shaq's equal. You was the realest spitter ripping the beat up. Now you in a sunken place, phone clicking the teacup. Yeah, learning you're a slave. Mom turning in her grave. Lyrical sermon on the page, just burning off the America mage. was great when they stole the land from the natives. It was great when they brought blacks over on slave ships. It was great when they prospered our free labor. It was great when burning our bodies was sweet savor. It was great when they could rape our women at will. It was great when they did our children like Emmett Till. It was great when firemen sprayed us with hoses. It was great when they killed all our modern day Moses. Could you cherish a place where we perished in hate? Then wear a hat that says you want to make America great. Your character's fake. Saying Trump represents freedom. He's eat him. He told cops when you stop, blacks mistreat him. Everything changed when you got with that ratchet thought. Your mom's casket dropped. Evil cerebral and rapid thoughts. The aftershock. You started tweaking off acid drops. High as an astronaut. I bet this shit happened to Travis Scott. Watch the throne. You really sold yourself a dream. It seemed the people high as up got the lowest self-esteem. You're made back on the road to hell. You should be wearing that hat that said you sold for sale. Yeah, look at all this backlash hate. First you backstab hold, then you backstab Drake. MK Ultra I stuck in your mouth wide. This ain't the same kumbaya from the south side. America was great when cotton picking with bloody fingers. It was great when we called Mexicans beaners. It was great when we didn't have a voice to speak. It was great when they fed us scraps, no choice to eat. It was great when they fed our babies to gators. It was great when they beat us before the taser. It was great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was great when the media didn't cover our stories. Yeah, Deacon, AKA Five Lord, Sakari. All oh, praise you, how about Shimmy Shot. Hey, Kanye, man, get out. You out of pocket, homie. All the Jews, all the gems, all the jewels and gems you gave us about our history, all the social injustice that you spoke out about. And now this, this ain't the land of our rest. All right? We under curses, we Israelites. They're not for us, man.